0: Welcome to Season 2 of the Next Kidlet Book Festival. We hope you enjoy this panel discussion. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Kidlet Book Festival. Leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms to help us improve with each season. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Alda P. Dobbs, and I want to welcome you to the Latinx Kitlet Book Festival for 2021. Welcome, everybody. I'm honored today because I have these four wonderful authors here with me, and I'm just in heaven here <laughs> having so much potential and talent and everything just surrounded by it. So thank you everybody for joining me. And thank you all ladies for joining me tonight too, or I don't know what time of the day this will be, but tonight I'm happy to have you here. So I'm gonna start by telling you who the wonderful authors are and their beautiful books. I had the honor to read them all. So I'm very excited to share and let you learn more about these these awesome books. And uh, today we have Diana Lopez, And she has that wonderful, uh, beautiful book, Sing With Me, The Story of Selena Quintanilla, which was, oh my goodness, I'm a big Selena fan, so it was a pleasure to learn. Yeah, oh my goodness, there it is. I love that cover too. I love her outfit. And we also have uh, Gloria Mesqua, and she wrote the beautiful book, The Child of, of the Flower Song People and uh, I'm glad Gloria's here with us because that was a, a wonderful book. I was lucky to be there for the launch uh, that she had with uh, book people and, and it was oh no it was with the barn right the writing barn and uh, that was wonderful and we also have uh, Ruth Behar and she has Letters from Cuba which was a beautiful novel too that I like the middle grade that uh we'll have to talk more about it because I, I don't want to give any anything away so far right now but the questions And we also have Vanessa Torres, and she, uh, Vanessa wrote The Turning Point. Do you have the, there you go. Yeah, beautiful book. I love that cover. It's a a gorgeous girl there. I don't know if they, we're going to have to ask more about that cover in a little bit. I'm anxious to ask all these questions already. But what we're going to start with is we're going to go around, and I'm going to ask each author to introduce themselves, tell a little bit about their their background and their book too, because uh, you want to learn about these wonderful books. So we are going to start with Vanessa Torres. If you could please tell us uh, about a little bit about yourself and uh, your book. Okay. Hi. Hi everyone. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I'm Vanessa Torres and I am the author of the YA novel, The Turning Point, and it debuts on 2 I love that date. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better date. I'm trying to get that in the camera and there's my arc. So it's not my actual final book, but this is still really exciting. And it follows Rosa Dominguez. She is a ballet dancer in 1983, Minneapolis, and she's navigating complex family expectations, a new love and her own aspirations to dance for the purple one himself, Prince. And yeah, it was super fun to write. I am from Minneapolis and I do have a day job. I'm a firefighter paramedic. And uh, so, yeah, so I get some downtime to write. And that's kind of how this all started.
1: That's incredible. Oh, my goodness. I, I can only imagine your schedule. You know, when you say downtime, it's like, OK, what are you doing in between? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> incredible. And now we're going to go with Gloria. Gloria, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your book, please?
2: Oh, if you could
1: unmute yourself, Gloria. Thank you.
2: Uh, I'm Gloria Mesqua, and I'm really happy to be here as well, and I'll probably be having problems with unmuting and muting myself, and I'm sorry <laughs> about that. Well, I live in Austin, Texas, and I'm a native Austinite, um, and uh, I have been a teacher and an educator in a lot of different roles, and a poet, as well as a children's book writer, and this is my uh, debut book. The Child of the Flower Song People, Lucy Menace, Daughter of the Nahua. It's a biography about a girl, uh, an indigenous girl in Mexico in the early 1900s who had a dream of being a teacher, but that dream was destroyed by the Mexican Revolution. and. Um, Though she had many hardships in her life, she became a model for our famous artists in the 20th century, such as Diego Rivera and many others, and was able to show something of her culture uh, through that, as well as work with scholars to help preserve the language and traditions and stories. And so she really is a link uh, between the past and the present and of uh, The Indigenous people and the rest of the world, she was considered a living link to the Aztecs. So uh, she's an important person who very few people uh, have known about, and I'm so happy to have been able to write this book about her. I was so excited that Duncan Thornatio is the artist, very excited
1: Yeah, we're going to touch more on that because I'm really excited that, that he was the artist. So, mm-hmm. all right. Thank you. And now, Ruth, uh, can you tell us about yourself and your book, please?
3: Yes, definitely. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much um, to all of you. It's really lovely to be part of this panel and this mm-hmm. conversation. Um, so my name is Ruth Behar and I'm the author of Letters from Cuba. This is my second uh, middle grade novel. It's also in Spanish, Cartas de Cuba, if anybody wants to read it. It's a beautiful, beautiful translation into Spanish. And um, this is my second middle grade novel. I wrote an earlier one called Lucky Broken Girl. And um, this particular novel is set in 1938. So it's the eve of World War II, and it's about a Jewish girl from Poland who immigrates to Cuba at that time. Her father is already in Cuba. Um, He's been there for three years trying to bring the rest of the family from Poland, but hasn't been very lucky at doing that, Um, but finally saves up enough money to bring one of the children, one of the five children in the family. He wants to bring one of the sons, but the eldest girl, her name is um, Esther, And she insists, she writes to her father and insists that she be the first one to go to Cuba and promises that if he lets her go first, she will help him bring the rest of the family to the island. And they know conditions are getting to be very bad in Poland. There's increasing poverty and despair and anti-Semitism. Of course, no one knows exactly how terrible It's going to be um, soon after, but they they know it's pretty bad. And so Esther has this mission to try to save her family and and get them to Cuba as soon as possible. And um, the story is inspired by my maternal grandmother's um, story and her name was also Esther. Um, And I'm really interested in immigration stories. I was a child immigrant myself born in Cuba. Uh, in part thanks to the story of, of my grandmother and my other three grandparents immigrating to Cuba in the 20s and 30s and, um, and you know, um, starting a life there, um, which leads to my eventually becoming Cuban <laughs> myself. So, um, so anyway, that's, that's the story, and uh, I look forward to talking more about it. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Guys. That's wonderful. Yeah, There's a lot of story behind the history. So, and next we'll go with Diana Lopez. If you could tell us about yourself and your, your beautiful book.
4: Thank you. Yes, I'm Diana Lopez, and I'm uh, speaking to you from my hometown of Corpus Christi, uh, which was also the hometown of Selena. Uh, and so here's my book, Sing With Me, The Story of Selena Quintanilla. And it, it is also available in Spanish as Canta Conmigo. Uh, And it's a it's uh, my first picture book. I have uh, about six or seven middle grade novels before this. Um, My most recent one is called Lucky Luna. Um, uh, But uh, this is my first picture book. And it's also my first biography. So I had a kind of like two things to learn to write about. But uh, it takes us through her story, um, you know, from uh, Selena as a young girl with a, a dream uh, to Selena as a young woman uh, who has realized that dream, and so I've been really enjoying uh, going around Corpus Christi and talking to people about it because they they love her here, like they love her everywhere. But she's she's ours, and so we have a special. Special uh, love for her here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, every time we hear Selena, we always relate it. Being a Texan, every time I heard about her, I always think Corpus Christi, you know, it's Selena. So it, it, it's an honor to be here with you, honestly, because uh, not only do I love historical fiction, but uh, all of the characters here have dreams. And uh, just like my character in Barefoot Dreams of Petra Luna. And it was nice to relate all those dreams and, and the work, the hard work they put into achieving these dreams and the struggles and, uh, and the strive just to overcome, uh, just as a determination to overcome these struggles. So, and I'll just really quick cover of my book. It's Barefoot Dreams of Petra Luna, came out this September. And uh, it's also inspired by a family story by my great grandmother who fled the Mexican revolution and had to come here. And so a lot of those family stories uh, that I researched and when I found out that they were actually true, I said, you know what, I, I got to tell it, <laughs> tell it to the world. So I read a book about it and, and it's out there now. So any family stories, just like these wonderful authors, you know, when went and seek these stories, like I tell kids, you know, not only family stories, but stories from your community, uh, community leaders, anyone, you know, because everybody's got an important story to share. And we got to urge these kids and encourage them to seek these stories and share them like like we have here in our in this panel. So thank you for joining me tonight. And, and I'm excited to get started with these questions now. So we're going to start with uh, Diana Lopez. And if you could, um, I'm sort of curious, you know, with, with Selena, because I love Selena. I grew up listening to all her songs, dancing to all her songs. So I want to ask you first when when the first idea came about Selena because I'm sure you grew up you know knowing Selena but when was that time when you said you know what I'm going to write a book about Selena how did it happen and when did it happen?
4: It actually um, it actually happened. <laughs> I remember the moment it happened. I was in I was in Los Angeles. It was 2017, uh, and I was there for the Coco premiere, and it was right around the time. That uh, Selena got her Hollywood star, and so there was just a lot of buzz and talk about Selena, and and uh, and that's when I realized, like I, you know, I had and I was planning to. I hadn't moved back to Corpus just yet, but I was already planning to move back to Corpus. Uh, I grew up here, but I I left to go to college, and I I was away for like thirty years. So, and I just moved back, uh, you know, three years ago. So. Uh, but I was already planning on doing that. And I said, you know, I I need to write I need to write her story. I'm from Corpus. She's from Corpus. Uh, we're about the same age. She's a little bit younger. You know, she would have been a little bit younger than me, but we're about the same age. And so growing up around the same time, I felt like I had like an insider's view, you know, um, to her life and to her experience. And I felt, you know, that we we shared some things in common. Uh, and so I got to work, you know, <laughs> I got to work writing, but, uh, but first I had, I had to teach myself, uh, cause I knew I wanted this to be a picture book. I, I didn't want to write like a, a middle grade, um, length type of biography. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to research how to do picture books <laughs> cause I never did that before. And then like, you know, how do you write a biography and, you know, things like that. But, um, I'm thrilled that I did and, Uh, And I'm I'm very happy with with how it turned out.
1: Oh my goodness, that's fabulous! Because I I do I only have this one middle grade, but I do have the ideas of of picture books and oh my Mm -hmm. goodness, it's overwhelming just the fact that you know 500 a thousand words. You know, I'm like, how do you do that? (laughs) You know, how do you tell a whole story? And I you
4: know I really I overwrote it the first time, and um, because you know I'm used to writing novels. And I had to keep trimming back and trimming back and trimming back. And so, you know, but I enjoyed the process and Mm -hmm. it kind of forced me to really, you know, in my interpretation, you know, somebody else might have a different view of of what the most important events are. But in my mind, uh, these were the these were the events of Selena's life that I wanted to focus on because I couldn't put everything. You know, there's just no way.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. It's tempting when there's so many good juicy details out there you just want to mm-hmm. share with the audience. So now we're gonna go with Gloria with another wonderful picture book. So my question is you mentioned in the author's note, but uh I wanted you to tell the audience if you could when when did the idea first come to you about writing this book? When when did you learn about uh your character and how did you say, you know what, I'm gonna take this challenge and, and try to teach the world about her?
2: Well, it's really uh, something that I felt called to do. I came across a, a pamphlet about her that had been at a conference that had already passed, actually, years before I found the pamphlet. And I don't mm-hmm. know why it was there at the University of Texas in Austin. And I, as soon as I read it, I thought, her life is amazing. I have to write about her. And this is before I was writing uh, children's literature. Mm-hmm. So uh, I kept it. Since I'm a poet, I wrote a poem, but I kept it because it was just too important to throw away. Mm-hmm. And um, then later, when I decided to start writing children's books, I uh, chose that as one of the ones that I started. I was in a course and I just decided I, I wanted to write that book because it needed to be written and I just felt such a close connection to her even though um, she is an indigenous person I mean I have some indigenous blood but I'm not totally indigenous but I felt a connection because when I was growing up and the way society was uh, you were shamed and it was looked down upon to speak Spanish and to where I grew up, which is central, Tex, uh, central Texas, and I'm sure other places, but not everywhere. I'm sure close to the border, it wasn't like that. But um, really didn't keep my culture, even though my father was from uh, Mexico, from Jacan. I, I mm-hmm. just my parents thought they were doing the best for me and my brothers, and so we didn't get. The language, we didn't get the culture, um, and I did the best I could to get that back and to learn Spanish and all of that. But mm-hmm. um, I just felt a connection to her because I had I felt like I'd lost my culture, but Luce and her pride in hers were amazing to me, and how she was able to convey that to other people. So I was just very proud of her and her life and just felt like I had to write about it. So. Yeah,
1: so you saw yourself a lot in her as well in the way she was trying to capture her culture before it was lost right? forever. Yeah. Okay, no, thank you. Now we're gonna go with Ruth and uh, I, I loved your book. The fact that it's based on a family story because my book was based on, on a family story too. So I'm so curious mm-hmm. if you tackled it the same way that I did. So my question for you is family stories. When did you start listening to family stories? Do you have a recollection of a particular one or a particular family member that, you know, told stories that always stuck with you?
3: Yeah, no, I love the question. Um, I think I really started listening intently when I was about 10 years old. And that's the moment that I describe in my earlier novel, Lucky Broken Girl, that's based on on something that actually happened to me. We had just arrived from Cuba. I was this child immigrant and we were in a terrible car accident. And I had to be in a body cast for a year and I couldn't move. I had to stay in bed, and my mother had to take care of me. And it was so terrible. You know, they were they were struggling so much just to survive. And then they had this, you know, girl to take care of in bed. And and I really attribute that moment that's why it's called lucky broken girl it was a horrible time it was terrible to be a broken girl but on the other hand there was this luck that was the moment that i started listening to stories that my school my public school sent a tutor um, to teach me and so i had suddenly had all these books surrounding my bed and you know of course my parents couldn't afford any books at the time um and so suddenly i had books to read i had a teacher Teaching me, and um, particularly my maternal grandmother, um, who's the inspiration for the novel, she spent a lot of time telling me her stories, and you know, and I would ask her, "What was it like, you know, to go from Poland to Cuba? You know, what was Cuba like when you arrived?" And you know, and I was just so curious. There were so many things that there were many things I didn't find out, find out really, but others that I imagined. But I would ask things like, well, what did you eat when you arrived in Cuba? Because, you know, the Jewish people that were arriving in Cuba at that time were still relatively religious, you know, and they um, you know, they followed the dietary laws and they so they wouldn't have eaten pork, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and pork is, is a very important part of the Cuban diet. And uh, and so she would say to me, or my grandfather, her husband would say to me, Well, all, all I had at the beginning was was bread and bananas. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I could pretty much be sure that that would be you know okay that it would conform to the dietary laws and and somehow that stayed with me because they had never had bananas you know in Europe and you know Poland and so on they wouldn't have had bananas so I thought about that and like what would they have eaten and like what would it have been like to taste a mango for the first time or a pineapple? you know, um things like that, or or to start speaking Spanish. How do you learn Spanish when your, you know, main language is Yiddish and Polish? And so just sort of trying to imagine them um arriving in this very, very different place, this tropical island. So so I think it was around 10 that I started thinking about all this and like wondering like what was it like, you know, especially for my grandmother who had traveled all alone across the sea and she had never left her little town in Poland and suddenly she was in this very, very different place. And, you know, Gloria was talking about culture before, and, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a very different culture with a very strong uh, West African influence, you know, in Cuba. And so what would it have been like to, you know, hear some of the ceremonies, the religious ceremonies, and so on. And so so I had a lot of curiosity, and, you know, and I would ask my grandparents, in particular, um, my, you know, my mother's parents, who were Polish and Russian, and then my father's parents who were Sephardic um, from Turkey, you know, but originally 500 years ago, you know, from Spain. And um, so I was very curious about all those stories and, you know, settling in Cuba and then eventually leaving Cuba because of the revolution. So all those stories were very, very fascinating to me. I was, you know, I think there's always a child in the family that wants to hear the stories that the grandparents, you know, are ready to tell, and I was that child. I, you know, I I could have sat, you know, endlessly for hours, listening to my four grandparents tell me their stories. But the grandmother that inspired um, my book, Letters from Cuba, she was the one that talked the most. She really liked to tell her story, and so, uh, so hers really, really, really stayed with me.
1: Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I was the same way since I can remember when people would say, hey, let me tell you when I was young, you know, and I'd sit there and I'm ready to just absorb everything that they were going to say and transport myself to that era too. So that's nice. And you had that that upbringing as well. And now we're going to go with Vanessa. Vanessa, I'm so excited about your book because of the dancing involved. I I'm a big dancer. Of course, I dance salsa and cumbias and everything. And I wanted ballet when I was little, but, you know, there was no way, you know, we could ever afford something like that. So I always had that dream. But uh, when I read your book, oh my goodness, I felt like I was there. Like I was in that studio, you know, warming up and stretching and all that. So I, I loved it. I enjoyed, you know, being part of it. You know, I... What's the word they use in English? But I felt like I was living through the through the character. You know, I transported myself back to the '80s and back to that age. <laughs> and you know, I was like, "Oh my goodness, how did she do that?" You know, I, I think I even woke up sore sometimes. But uh. <laughs> so, how did this uh, novel come about? Uh, were you a dancer growing up? Did you take ballet lessons? And yes. And, uh, so yeah, I'm wondering when when this the thought of this novel came about.
0: Yeah, I I am a former ballet dancer for the Minnesota Dance Theater, and I was in, I auditioned for their children's um, performing arts uh, group, and um, so, you know, we were all the kids in the nutcracker and all that kind of stuff, Um, and, you know, we couldn't afford ballet lessons either. Um, Mm -hmm. I was one of, like, I think four inner city um, dancers who were dancing there on, like, uh, assistance, financial Mm -hmm.
1: assistance. Oh, wow.
0: So, um, I and that was something that's a whole other can of worms, but like, I didn't want anyone to know about that, you know, and it, I was very embarrassed about that, which actually did make it into the book. Um, now that we're talking about that, but the big inspiration for the book was obviously Prince. I mean, you couldn't grow up in Minneapolis and not know about Prince. I mean, you, you just weren't paying attention if you didn't. And, um, I grew up in Minneapolis, not too far from his neighborhood. And um, we even went to the same junior high, but of course, several years apart. Um, My whole family, sisters, parents were all like fanatic Prince fans. I mean, there's like Prince music and then there's all the other music in the world. And um, so I was from a very young age, very, um, very obsessed with him. And my mom would take me to all these really... Probably inappropriate head shops and stuff to buy Prince posters. And, um, you know, my mom is just awesome. (laughs) And she took me to see Purple Rain when I was way too young to be watching that movie, but, um, you know, we both loved it so much. (laughs) And uh, he happened to be uh, rehearsing. He was friends with our director, with um, the Minnesota Dance Theater's director, Lois Holton. And um, he did a lot for the arts in Minneapolis. Um, And he, was rehearsing for the movie Purple Rain in the studio above ours and happened to be the studio right across from where we would get fitted for costumes. And so once I heard that, of course, it was on. I mean, there's no way I wasn't going to go up there and watch him rehearse. And he was taking dance class, private dance classes with the Revolution, his band at the time. And so I would sneak up there with a couple of other dancers and we would watch him rehearse and learn how to pirouette. And sometimes we'd get kicked out and sometimes they'd let us stay. And then I would like stake out the elevators and ride down the elevator with him and like maybe drop my shoe so that he would (laughs) pick it up for me and hand it to me. And yeah, it was probably really obnoxious. And yeah, and my mom worked for him for a time in the nineties and uh, I have a brother-in-law who's one of the biggest collectors of Prince memorabilia in the world. Um, so I guess we're just all wrapped up in prints. And then when he died, um, I still remember the moment I heard I was on shift at the fire department and my brother-in-law called me and said, is this true? Is this really happening? And I was kind of numb for so long because
3: Mm -hmm. I can not even
0: think about my childhood without him being part of it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And, uh, then I maybe about six months later decided to, that was like the spark for writing the book and the book is about so much more than prints but um, that was the spark for the beginning of the journey mm-hmm. definitely
1: wow that's amazing. so I'm sure you're your training in ballet that's incredible that's I want to read that book too How <laughs> you know <laughs> your, your journey but all that discipline I'm sure that transferred into writing and uh yeah your your career right now I'm sure that requires a lot of discipline too.
0: oh yeah yeah I mean very physical. Yeah. So maybe I just gravitate towards things like that.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's wonderful. So next, uh, now that you, because I love the the title of your book too, the turning point, you know, and I just love the word point is, is, uh, written out and I always admire titles, how they come up with it. And, and, uh, the story behind them, like Barefoot Dreams of Petroluna, I have a whole spiel to how I came up with that, that title. And, and I'm lucky it stuck through the publication, the editorial process and whatnot. And at the end, they went with it. I, didn't, I stayed quiet. I didn't ask if it was good or not. I just said, I'll stay quiet and hopefully they'll ignore it and it'll end up in the book mm-hmm. cover. So luckily it did happen. But for you, Claudia, I, I love the title of your book. Yeah, did you come up with that title or how how did it go, come about? So let's see if you can unmute yourself.
2: I, uh, it went through so many different titles because it was a long haul, you know, about <laughs> eight years before it actually got published. So, um, the first, uh, title I had was, uh, very boring. It did have Lucy Mennon's name in it, but otherwise nothing of that is there. <laughs> and, um, it, and I had changed it a couple of times, but, um, uh, then, uh, at some point I, I had a flower song in the
3: title
2: Mm -hmm. um, and it's in the book so I had it as part of the title but not like it is now. Uh, Then my agent decided that Xochiquicado would be a title that would, which is flower song and Nahuatl, that that would be a title that would get an editor's attention, that it probably would change but it would get an editor's attention so we mm-hmm. went with that and then uh after i had my editor we came to flower song people lucy Miss, and that was it okay until and we had it like that up until it got to marketing and marketing said <laughs> uh you don't really know what this book is about you've got to have something there that- that tells what it's about and so then um my editor suggested Daughter of the Nahua and I I thought that that works that's so, mm-hmm. that's good but what's really amazing is that I had written a poem when I was changing from the prose version to the poetic version um about Lucy Menes, and I titled it uh Daughter of Mexico so somewhere in there that must have stayed <laughs> consciously and it kind of seems like it came full circle. The problem with it is it is long. And though if you're on Twitter, you just kind of don't want to write the whole, the whole thing It's long enough as it is. But yeah, I love it. I love the title.
1: It's a beautiful title. So no, okay. That's, that's wonderful to know how, you know, cause people get curious about how titles come about. So. And, and now I'm going to go to Ruth and um I want to give an example by my, my story, Barefoot Dreams of Petra Luna. It's a blend. The, the heart of the novel is my great grandmother's story, but there are also a lot of stories that I put in about my grandmother because she was also just as poor. And a lot of the stories I said, no, I have to include them in here too. So, in your book, uh, Letters from Cuba, how, how much of it is your grandmother's story? And, and how much was it from your imagination or other family stories?
3: Yeah, a lot of it is actually my imagination because I, like I said before, I only knew so much. I knew about the journey and traveling alone and finding her father, my great grandfather in Cuba. That wasn't so easy and and then that um and that they lived in a rural town they lived in a small town in the countryside Mm -hmm. and i thought that was so interesting um in the region of matanzas which is this area that had a lot of west african people a lot of enslaved west africans worked sugarcane there and that's where they settled and where eventually my family settled uh, my, my maternal grandmother's family and i just thought that was so interesting this you know polish jewish family you know in this uh in this area in the countryside in cuba you know where they would have heard the drums the bata drums and heard you know just the sounds of the music and so on and so i was just so you know so in- completely entranced by that. And in my other life, I'm also a cultural anthropologist. So so I'm really interested in, you know, these issues of culture and diversity and intersections of different cultures. So what happens when Jewish culture intersects with Afro-Cuban culture, and then there were also Chinese Cubans living in this area. So So I thought all of that was so interesting. So I think I used my ethnographic imagination, basically, and you know, try to imagine what those daily encounters would have been like. And then, you know, making Esther a girl who's like very curious Mm -hmm. to understand what these other cultures are like and um, to want to learn about them. While meanwhile, her father, who's a very religious man, Mm -hmm. is worried, you know, that she's getting a little too interested in these other cultures and participating a little too much. And is she going to forget that she's Jewish? But she's trying, you know, she's trying to become Cuban. She's trying to acquire... Mm -hmm this new culture that she's that she's finding so you know so beautiful and, and so fascinating so so i think i did have to use a lot of imagination and um and also some research um as well um both you know archival research and historical research research just to learn about that period of the late 30s you know both in cuba and in europe um so i had to do some of that research and then i also went to cuba Several times I've been traveling back and forth to Cuba since the early 90s. And I went to the town where they lived called Agramonte, where a lot of the actionists that, You know, I went and spent some time there and got to know contemporary people in Agramonte. And there are a lot of people in the town that are interested in the history of the town. And so they had old photographs and information. And then there were lots of legends also that I incorporated into the story. So it's kind of a combination of, of what I knew and then all the things I didn't know and had to use my imagination to fill them in.
1: Oh my goodness, oh, you did a wonderful job with, with all that. I, I thought of most of it was all your grandmother's <laughs> stories. Fascinating, you did a wonderful job. So earlier Vanessa was talking about the moment she learned that a Prince had passed and I, it dawned on me that I'm the same way with Selena. Yeah, I remember the, where I was at and what I was doing when I found out that Selena had died. And it, I remember I kept asking my sister, what Selena, what Selena? Cause I, I, I'm like, they can't be Selena Quintanilla, you know? I was thinking it was gonna be somebody else. And she said, no, Selena, Selena. And so I knew right away, you know? And I remember running to the radio, turning on the radio and they were playing her song. And that's when I said, no, that's, it is true. You know, it did happen. And every station you you turned it to, you know, it was Selena's song. So, yeah, I remember that, that moment, too. It stays with you for a long time. And uh, so I want to go to your Canta Conmigo, right? Sing with me. How did you, did you come up with that title yourself? Or how did it come about?
4: I, I did, you know. Um, you know, I didn't really have a title when I was writing the book. I just called it my Selena book. Um, but one of the things I learned was, that um when you're writing a picture book you kind of have to have a theme. <laughs> and remember I overwrote it, you know? So I was like, is this about music? Is this about family? You know, I mean there were so many uh Selena's story inspires so many themes, you know? And so um one of the things I did was I, I watched her in concert a lot. I I I went to I was just living on YouTube watching Selena perform and she uh often would um You know she would she would say todo el mundo canta conmigo you know and she would hold the mic to the crowd and i said oh you know that's that's a that's going to be the title of my book canta conmigo Mm
1: -hmm.
4: that really was my the the title was canta conmigo the story of selena quintanilla um but then uh when uh, it was time to get it published uh you know we were really pushing to have it um Released simultaneously in English and Spanish, and we realized that if we if we called the English version "Canta conmigo," that was going to be confusing to people. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we changed it to "Sing with me," you know. Uh, but actually, it was kind of a Bible title at the beginning. Uh, but since we have both both versions, we have "Sing with me," and then we have "Canta conmigo," and uh, and so that's kind of where I got it. It's it's about. Um, You know, what I focused on and and the little scenes that I decided to focus on in the book are scenes of, of, you know, steps Selena took to involve people in her music, you know, and it really is about how she engaged with her audience, you know, Mm -hmm. so I decided that that was going to be like my angle for the for the book. And so. That's where the title came from.
1: <laughs> no, that's a wonderful uh, background. You know, I love finding details like that about Selena. I always have to share with my sister. My sister's a huge Selena fan. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure she'll be watching this too. <laughs> now make it with Vanessa. Vanessa, there, oh my goodness, there are so many scenes in your book that, I I was, you know, one of them. I was crying. I found myself crying, and I was very emotional. And I don't want to give a spoiler here, (laughs) but you know, I'm tempted to say what happened, but no, I'll keep my mind shut. (laughs) But uh, it was a very chaotic scene, and uh, I'll I'll just say that there were paramedics involved, and that's all I'm going to say. And uh, you executed the scene really well. I I liked it so much. I had to go back and reread it just because it was that fascinating. Like, how did she do this? You know, because I feel like I'm there. So what what kind of research did you do for this book to make the the scene so lively and uh, in terms of not only that chaotic scene but other ones you know with the dancing and uh, and the meeting the movie star and stuff like that?
0: Yeah um, well I had to do a lot of research just for the 80s even though i I, I lived through the 80s I, I had to really dig deep for that and just Um, I wanted it to be historically accurate, and um, I really wanted the neighborhood and time to be a character Mm -hmm. um, also, and especially the neighborhood where the dance studio is because it's a pretty infamous, notorious neighborhood in Minneapolis that was completely leveled um, to kind of like spear away the crime that was happening there. And it just is where I came of age. And so it was really sad to see it all Go away. And so but it was really fun to look back and find that there are experts out there block E experts, that's the neighborhood where most of my book takes place.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so yeah, I had to do like historical, a lot of research, which brings you down all sorts of rabbit holes when you do that, which can be kind of fun, but also kind of stunt your writing a little bit, <laughs> because it's so much fun just to research.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But as far as the medical scenes, I mean, those are really pulled from my own experience. I've been a paramedic for 26 years. And Mm -hmm. so I have been on the practitioner side of things thousands of times. And Mm -hmm. so I think those scenes just came very naturally to me to write. It was just the only research I had to do was what would have the paramedics had in you know as far as equipment in the 80s and what would it have looked like
2: oh, um, makes sense. Okay. you know because
0: it paramedicine was very new in the 80s still it's, it's totally different now so yeah but as far as the emotion and the the organized chaos and the pace of the scene uh it just kind of put myself in a call like that mm-hmm. I you know would be on for that type of emergency and just kind of set myself there, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which, you know, can be, I mean, yeah, it was emotional to write those scenes for sure. Because Mm -hmm. as a paramedic for this many years, you kind of learn how to put that wall up and not let certain things get to you. And when you open that door for just a little bit to access things like I needed to do to write the story, you do risk kind of the flood, (laughs) you know, little PTSD and, you know, but I have friends and camaraderie and my husband is also a firefighter paramedic and we lean on each other a lot. And so, um, yeah, so the inspiration for those types of scenes came from my other job. Mm -hmm. a lot of that. And then uh, the dancing, you know, those were really fun to write those scenes, Mm -hmm. I kind of put myself back in those shoes. And I also had a lot of current dancers read for me just to make sure that I was not forgetting anything, uh, like what it really felt like. (laughs) So that was super fun. Yeah, it was just fun all around. And you know, my title changed. It It was the Purple Funk Factory.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh. But they
0: felt that it didn't really say anything about what the book, what you were gonna get out of the book. You know, they were like, love it, but you know, and so yeah, so it did change. And I like it.
1: Yeah. No, no, and I love the way you autographed the book. Oh, <laughs> you did. The book there too. I love that. That's so that would yeah. have been a great title. I like that title, but I love this one too. So no, that's that's Yeah. Good. <laughs> It's great. So now we're, we're going to go back to Ruth. And uh, something I like about Esther is the way, just like Petra Luna, you know, she has to figure out ways to help her family uh, financially and, and stuff like that. So I love that Esther did that too. She starts thinking of how to help. And uh, at one point she sews dresses. So where, where did this idea come from? Did, did you do this when you were a kid? Did you sew or were you into fashion design
3: when you were a child? Well, I did take a sewing class, actually, at one point, and I remember making a, a really beautiful red dress, <laughs> a really flashy red dress. But no, it was more that my, uh, my grandmother and her sisters and her mother, my great-grandmother, they were all into sewing. They could all sew very well, and particularly my mother, my grandmother had a sister, who sewed very, very well and made dresses. And so I thought, well, sewing seems to be something important in the family. And they were also into fabric. And uh, my grandparents had worked in fabric, selling fabric. Um, And then later they had a lace store in Cuba. So they're kind of involved in in fabric and in sewing. Um, So that was kind of how the idea came to me. I also started thinking that arriving in cuba in january wearing a woolen dress you know from poland you would be very hot and it would be very very uncomfortable so i started thinking about that and um and but how at the beginning you know they don't have money to buy fabric so that she can make a dress Um, but then after a little while they save up some money and she gets a lighter you know fabric and makes a dress for herself and then realizes that she can sew pretty well that her mother taught her how to sew, and she starts to take it seriously, and um, and starts to make dresses for the people that she meets in in the country town in, in Agaramonte, um, and then realizes that she can sell these dresses, and um, and that's how she's going to help save her family. So, so it came kind of very organically, but but that exact story didn't happen. It was just like things that were related to it and that um, inspired me.
1: I got you know that's wonderful. I, I like that. And uh, so we're going to go back to Diana. Um, if you could tell us about the, because the, I like the theme of family uh, in Selena's book or, or your book, Ante Conmigo, just the fact that uh, they're very family oriented. They do everything as a family that you have that growing up as well. Were you, were you tight knit with your family and that stuff like that together or, or even now with your family?
4: Yes, that's, um, that's actually a theme that comes out in almost every story that I write, you know, uh, there's, it's always about family. And, um, you know, that was actually one of the ideas, you know, when I said I overrode it and I was trying to find my angle, I, I was playing around with making this the family story for a long time. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yes, uh, you know, we, we were a very close knit family and we still are, um, you know, I mean, Thanksgiving's right around the corner, and you know, I do have a brother and sister in Chicago, so I, I don't get to see them as much as I I would like. But uh, I'm here in Corpus with my parents. I, I came back here because I wanted to be back with them, and I have a brother in Houston that I see all the time. And so, uh, you know, you know how family is. Uh, you know, my book, Lucky Luna, the the little tagline says, "You can choose your friends, but you cannot choose your primas." That's what it says. And so. You know that's how it is. It's like you you have all these you know these primos, these primas, these aunts, these uncles, brothers, sisters, uh, and you kind of you kind of get stuck with them sometimes, and and they can be they can be your best friends, but they can also get on your nerves, and and so there's always like some kind of negotiating going on, and and but but I think that 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 you know the Latino culture is very family oriented, and mm-hmm. we rely on our You know, it's not just uh, our parents, it's our grandparents, it's our aunts, Mm -hmm. it's our uncles, our extended family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that part of Selena's life was very appealing to me, how they did everything together. You know, Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
4: I think it says a lot about, you know, a lot of our families doing things together.
1: (laughs) That's true. All Mm -hmm. right. We have a few minutes left. So we're going to go to the kids questions There's three of them. And if I can have Vanessa answer the first one, please, if you don't mind, and then uh we'll take it from there. So go ahead. The first question
2: is Is it challenging to write a book about your family history?
0: Whoa, <laughs> I love that. Yes, it is. Um, for me it it was, and I'm sure for everyone else it was too. Mine is like And I can't remember who else was saying this, but I I came from a family, Mexican-American family. My dad, um, 16 kids in the family, um, big family, but they were not taught Spanish. They weren't allowed to speak it outside of the home. My dad said that breakfast was the time for Spanish. And then it was like the switch that went off once breakfast was over. Um, Then the English was... um, the English came out and it was, they just really wanted my dad and his siblings to assimilate. And so that was transferred over to me and my sisters. And so everything that I've learned now, I've learned later in life and basically, you know, interviewing my relatives and getting to know my family all over again are at a different angle. And so when I started to infuse that into my book, yeah, it was difficult because um, some of it was difficult to think about and some of it made me mad, Mm -hmm. angry, and some of it made me embarrassed, um, feel embarrassed. Uh, Yeah, just all those feelings came out into this story, which I'm glad they did. But I mean, it had to happen. But yes, I think that is an element of all, all books. I mean, we all have to dig deep and go places that we might not necessarily like to.
1: Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's great. (laughs) And then we'll go with the next one. And Gloria, if you could answer the next question, please. So go ahead. What's the next kid's question? Hi, my name is Michael. And my question is for Ruth Bahar. What made you start writing books? Okay, we'll make it to Ruth. And then next one, we'll go to Gloria.
3: Well, I think I just wanted to share the stories that I love and just be able to share them with kids and readers in general. So I think I write mainly to share stories because I love stories.
1: Oh, Thank you. All right, and then the next one we'll go with, uh, with Gloria. Oh, there's no word. Okay, so the next one is text only. So I'll read it out. And it says, Gloria, what is your favorite book you wrote? Okay, you're muted. Let me
2: see. Since this is my debut, it is my favorite book I've written.
1: <laughs> too. Like, I've only written one book, so this is my favorite. Yeah. All right, and how about for you, Deanna? Wh- which one's uh, your favorite?
4: You know, it's, uh, it's, always, it's, it's always the book that I'm currently writing, because that's the one that I'm just, that's living in my imagination, and it's feeling really real to me, so uh, I'm writing a book right now. The tentative title is Los Monstruos, And so I can't wait to share it with people, uh, you know, when it comes out in a couple of years. But um, but I have to say, it's always a book I'm working on right now. <laughs>
1: oh, that's funny. And how about for you, Vanessa? Which is your favorite book? <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: probably this one. I have written other books before this and mm-hmm. a couple of screenplays. And at the time, they were my favorite. <laughs> so I totally did it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And
1: do you have another one coming up?
0: I do. Yeah. The working title is Forgiving the Fire.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. How about you, Gloria? Do you
1: have one coming up?
2: Well, I have a couple that are out on submission. So hopefully see them. Stay
1: tuned, huh? (laughs) How about for you, Ruth, which is your favorite book that you've written?
3: Well, I guess I'll talk about the new one, too. So I have a picture book, so I'm very excited to be here with two picture book authors. Um, so I have a picture book coming out uh, January 25th, um, now 2022, and it's called Tia Fortuna's New Home. It's also coming out in Spanish, El Nuevo Hogar de Tia Fortuna. And this one is a Sephardic story, and it takes place in Miami, um, so I'm very, very excited about it and uh, worked with a wonderful illustrator. So I'm just so thrilled to, to see how the words came alive in the images.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Now I have my a book coming out. It's going to be the sequel to Barefoot Dreams of Petaluna. It comes out next September. So next year, 2022 in September. So yeah, I'm excited. And it's my second book, so I'm nervous. <laughs> you know, but I'm sure it'll be fine. And I, I think we're out of time, right? Because it's only 40 or 50 minutes. So I want to thank you all. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I, I had a lot of fun uh, learning more about you and your books. And uh, I'm amazed because I read your books and I thought I knew everything already. But no, I, I've learned so much more. So read these books. These are beautiful books. I urge you to go out there and search for these books because they, they do. They have an impact on you. And I, I changed, you know, from reading these books. And I'm, I'm glad they put me on this panel because I, I got to see... Uh, first dips on uh, the, the turning point, and I got to read the uh, Ruth's book and, and I was amazed I was like oh my goodness I get to read all these books so, so <laughs> it was my chore you know but you know I kind of said no I have to do this part of my work and I got to sneak away and read them so thank you for, <laughs> for giving me those books I appreciate it so thank you very much and thank you everybody for joining us in the Latinx Kidlet Book Festival and uh, look for us on our websites and thank you so much appreciate it have a good night